Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone for another episode of Bedrock and Balderstone. And today we're talking about Farscape Season 1, Episodes 14 and 15, which are Jeremiah Crichton and Durka Returns. And I just want to say at the start of the podcast, we have had some technical issues. Hopefully we won't have any as the episode unfolds, but I just want to prepare people in case we run into any that that if, if, if you notice something odd happened during the episode, it's because Skype has not been behaving and we record these on Skype. So, so Adam, uh, why don't you run us through these two episodes and then we'll talk about what we think about them. That sounds like a good place to start. Yeah. So, uh, well, well let's think about stick with the first episode, Jeremiah Crichton involves uh, Crichton getting really frustrated at everything going on the ship, deciding he's going to go cruise around in uh, the Farscape for a little bit to vent some frustration. But at that point, Moya is forced to starburst due to some complication with her pregnancy, and he just gets ditched in space. Then we have a a jump ahead of, what, six months or so, and he's uh, found some planet that he's settled on and is uh getting enmeshed in the uh conflicts of some tribe that lives on the planet and uh yeah that's the basic setup so uh yeah brendan what'd you think of this one um so when it started i didn't like the intro and i was it was one of these episodes that won me over over the course of the episode it wasn't like a it was kind of a throwaway episode in a lot of ways. It was sort of like, mm-hmm. like I would say, it, it it felt like fairly standard filler fare in a lot of respects for a lot of these kinds of shows. But yeah. but for some reason, by the end of the episode, I, I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I liked I liked the closing uh, sort of concept of they had the prophecy and and the reveal of what the prophecy really was it was sort of nightly like neatly tied up with a bow and everything uh it also got me thinking about how we talk a lot about how shows have changed and it's kind of interesting i think that babylon 5 was really our first big show that we did and then we worked through some other shows after that and babylon 5 is the show that got this whole idea of sort of the story arc started and you kind of have story arc in Farscape, but it still has some of these filler episodes. And this episode basically reminded me why I feel like we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater with the filler episodes, how it can be kind of a good thing to, to just have an episode that allows you to rest from everything that's going on and, and to get us to give a a sense of this just being a, a bigger world or bigger place that these characters are part of. Do you know what I mean? It, it, and again, I don't know, maybe this episode ties in with more stuff and I'm not realizing it, but it, but it didn't feel like an essential episode to watch, but it was fun. Yeah, I, well, just to get it out of the way, I'll let you know that this is actually one of the most hated episodes of the show. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, and there's, there's things I definitely dislike about this episode, but it, I have to say, like you, I like it more as it goes along. It's like, I think a lot of what I don't like about this episode, I I find the whole thing at the beginning with the, the people on the planet, those characters are all just really wooden and yeah. artificial, and nothing about them feels very Farscape. I just feel like, I feel like I'm in, I don't know. I felt like I, I was, no, I, I agree with you. I felt like, to me, that part of the show felt more like... Um... Hercules and Xena, almost. Yeah, you know I mean? that's good analogy. Like, like the vibe, yeah. not like obviously, just the vibe of it had sort of more of a Hercules and Xena vibe, 
And it, it felt off for that reason. I also thought Crichton getting that frustrated and being that reckless was like, it's not super out of character, but it was, it was more intense than I thought he normally would behave. And well, it, it just it, didn't... It, it, it... Yeah, coming at the very beginning of an episode, like you've kind of got to buy into it out of the blue. It's like if it happened, I mean, obviously this episode couldn't have got away with having this happen halfway through because you wouldn't have the time. But it's yeah. a, yeah, having him at peak aggravation right as the episode opens does and require a little bit of buy-in. And the six-month skip I thought was very weak because they introduced this woman and he's talking with her, and I was really confused throughout that conversation <laughs> until it became clear, oh, no, he's been here for a long time, and he knows her. But I didn't know, like, for the first two or three minutes, I was like, wait a second, did he just meet this woman? I don't understand. <laughs> like, and he seems pretty unsurprised that there's other people on this planet. Like, it, 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 that those assumptions were t- turned out not to be true, but uh, it, I, it was just all very jarring. And it wasn't until he started kind of chilling not chilling, but until he started talking with like the chieftain and stuff like that. And I started getting more of a sense of what was actually going on that I, I found myself enjoying it. I do understand why people don't like it. The, the wooden characters for one, the fact that yeah. a lot of the culture on this planet doesn't feel all that well thought out. You know what I mean? Like it feels, yeah. well, it, it feels very reflex reflexively created. If that makes sense. Like they just kind of, yeah. So I can see why people would like that stuff. Um, and it's it's yeah you know, I mean usually when you get side Farscape is very good at having side characters that are somehow intriguing or eccentric or you know like like the characters in the last episode we watched with the with the pirates and everything they all even though you don't get a whole lot of them they're they're kind of these intriguing characters that you know but it's like no I just was utterly uninterested in any of these people and any of their tribal drama and just. Just didn't didn't work in any way. It just didn't. I don't know. It didn't have any of the alien vibe of Farscape to it. But but yeah, once you get into the into uh, Rigel showing up and you know how Rigel is this this figure that that is actually the part of the episode that works for him. It's kind of I kind of like the way Rigel is this really sleazy, sneaky character who spent you know, a hundred years in prison and it's just this ultimate guy survivor character, but there's still this remnant of wanting to be this noble ruler, you know, and it's like, it's, it's like these two opposing sides of him that both kind of make sense together. It's, it's nice when you kind of get to see that other side come out. No. And that I liked, I also liked the backstory that they developed for the planet. Like the culture was kind of, it sort of felt like, vaguely like they're taking a bit of this culture a bit of that culture and mm-hmm. and, and also it it was i don't know it, like the the salutation they gave i thought was a very we've talked about how the names have generally been good on this program but that was um that was not a good name i thought not not a good invented uh phraseology uh, I, I don't remember the salutation, actually. I don't remember it specifically either, but I remember not liking it every time <laughs> they used yeah, it. Yeah, it, the fact it hasn't stuck in my head, I yeah. guess, says something about it. It, it felt like, ah, oh, give me something vaguely Hawaiian, would you? You know, it was just like that kind yeah. of thing. You know, like, it just it just didn't work. And uh, I also think that um, uh, the 
like you said, the stuff with Rigel, like the whole thing where he's like, you know, he he really enjoys being a sovereign. Like he falls into yeah. that role. You know, he's done that enough that I can sort of see that as a pattern in his character, and it, it, it works. Um, I, I'm a little on the fence about the mother of the of the hunter, who's sort of the she's like the priestin or whatever they called them. I forget the name that they that they used, but she uh, uh she's kind of like a weak sauce Livia from i claudius do you know what i mean she's sort of trying to manipulate her son to become the new chieftain and uh i don't know i don't know i i i I, you know that part of it i wasn't too too keen on but i but i enjoyed the episode i I had a good time i'm sorry cut out there so i didn't actually catch what you said most of what you said oh okay well i said (laughs) i said some of the most brilliant stuff that's ever been you know aired on 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 a podcast and so we'll just have to uh we'll just have i'll have to listen i'll have to listen to the podcast i guess is what i'm gonna have to do but i won't i won't i won't make the audience uh go go through make you repeat all of that but it it is funny it's like it it cut back in right as you were finishing up your point (laughs) it was just like uh, oh good i'm 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 on my cue but uh yeah the uh but yeah it's uh you know it's like i said i i it's it's not a completely abysmal episode, but it, it's cause it, yeah, it does have its merit in the second half. But it's it kind of sticks that the 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 worst parts are all early on. And I, it's funny actually when I was getting ready to do this podcast, I realized I didn't remember any of those characters on the planet's names. And I thought, oh, I should look it up. I thought, you know what? I'm not going to because I don't even I don't have any personality insights about any of them. Yeah. They're just it's like there's the daughter. And there's the young warrior, and there's the tribal chief, and there's the scheming print, like priestess. And I'm like, that, that's all. That's there's nothing more to say about them. That's that's what we, they are. <laughs> we watch so much stuff on this on this podcast channel. Honestly, that's what I, I've I've just learned to live with the fact that I don't always remember names, and sometimes you just have to refer to characters by the type of character that they were. And oftentimes, that's more insightful than using the name do you know what i mean you, 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 yeah. you, you realize you realize things about about the the shows and movies when you do that um so so yeah so i mean i, I don't know if there's a whole lot more to talk about with this episode i i did like the world building part of it i liked that this was like a colony f- mm-hmm. from rigel's empire and i liked the prophecy that was baked into it i liked that I don't know. I guess they were kind of put there to sort of worship the king. Was that the idea? It was a... I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little. Uh, there's a lot of cool things in the background, but I'm not. I don't quite understand. It's like okay, they were put on there to make a colony, but then they took away all their ability to use machines. And I'm like, did I don't know? It, it, I'm not quite clear. Like, did they revolt or something? Or I don't know. I am. Yeah, it's. Uh, it, there, there, I feel like there's just one piece of the. It's, it's not like it doesn't make sense, but I feel like there's just one piece of the puzzle that's that's missing there. No, I would agree. It definitely didn't illuminate that. Um, it didn't really need to, I guess. But you know, not not every single thing needs to be explained. There's enough. <laughs> there's enough there for the story to work for the purposes of what happens in it. And so I guess that brings us to the next episode, which is Durka Returns. And yeah. I have to admit, I didn't remember who Durka was. So, and he looks very different. So when they reintroduced him, it took me a little bit to realize. I had, you know, once they did the flashbacks, I understood. I was like, oh, that guy, I remember him. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to describe this episode? Is it? Uh, um, 
I, the, 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 the brief synopsis, not like we don't need to go in depth, but, uh, a brief synopsis. Yeah. This, this is kind of a, a twisty episode, but yeah, they, uh, they're, they're, they come out of starburst and smash into another spaceship. And, uh, well, most of the crew is reluctant to bring anybody aboard pilot, you know, with his rigid rule set. It's like, no, nope, well, we have to bring these people on board. We have to help them. It's my fault. So they, uh, bring them on board. And uh, Durka is there, the, who was, the, to, to refresh the audience, he was the uh, captain of the Zalbinian in the PK Tech Girl episode that tortured Rigel for all these years. And he's there, basically, he's been mentally cleansed for the last hundred years. And uh, is there, basically, by the, 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 this race called the Nabari. And so there's one representative of the Nabari on there who's also got a prisoner that's another Nabari who uh, they want to uh, keep on the ship until they can get picked up and rescued after their ship crashed. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of the setup for the episode. Of course, Rigel is furious about Durka and wants to uh, wants to kill him. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess my reaction to this episode is I, I thought it was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a much better episode than the previous one. The previous one was fun. I was entertained by it. Um, you know, like I said, it was. I thought it was a fun filler episode. This was a very uh, nutritious episode of the show. Yeah, uh, and, and it, it had it had a lot going on. It, I mean, and and together, both of these episodes really helped flesh out Rigel a lot more. Um, but also, there's a lot. There's you know, there was the whole sort of moral conundrum going on in this episode. I mean, there was some moral stuff going on in the previous episode, but this one it was a little bit more serious, and and just to sort of get to see Durka as this, you know, like to get to experience that was, was, I, th- I thought it was a very thrilling villain. So, it, it, and, and, and I love the way that he's this pacified reformed person at the start of the episode. And then the bomb goes off and the, the programming is broken and he resumes his evil ways. Um, you know, yeah. because you know, the whole, that's the whole thing you're wondering the whole episode is, will this guy, end up being trustworthy or won't he? And you don't really know. And there were episodes a lot like this on Babylon five where the programming kind of stuck better. Right. Um, yeah. The programming and, on that tended to work. <laughs> and, 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 and here it, it obviously malfunctioned in a very serious way. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed Chiana. I thought she was an interesting character. I'm curious if she's going to be a regular on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Because it seems like they maybe are laying that groundwork, but it, maybe not. Maybe they just drop her off the next planet, for all we know. Um, so I I, uh, I like that. I also like the ambiguity around the Tiana character. I can't remember the name of the guy who was in charge of transporting them. Salas. Salas. But we don't know whether she killed Salas or not. We still don't know if... It, I mean, the implication was... You're supposed to believe it was Durka, but then by the end of the episode, you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was her. And... My my opinion, just based on what I saw, is that Durka killed him, and that she was uh, had some kind of affection for him because he and she and Salas had a really odd exchange when she was behind the bars that to me indicated she had seduced him in some way before, 
Or I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe she, I'm, I'm misreading it, but I, I, I had the impression she was trying to seduce him. But, but she used the I, word again. She said, do you want to feel again? Or something. Oh, did that, she? I, okay. th- I thought okay. that that's what she said. I thought that's what yeah, she said. There's, I mean, yeah, it is interesting. Well, I, I would be interested to know what the connection between them is, because it's never... I mean, obviously he's the one that's captured her, is bringing her back, but it does seem like he's someone that previously knew her before he went out to get her, so... Well, because she, she said to him, that's the thing about me that always intrigues you, isn't it, right? Because like that... Like yeah, that, okay. Like her, okay. her rebellious nature... And yeah, she, she could have been lying, but it seems like an like if it's just the two of them, why would she say something so blatantly untrue? Do you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's uh, it's there, there's there's a I, I like that there's a lot of complicated relationships in this episode because I mean you've got you know the Salas Chiana one, you've got you know Crichton and Chiana who Crichton's trying to figure out can he trust her, can he work with her? Then you have like briefly you have the scene where. Uh, Chiana you know, tries to work with Rigel, tries to cut a deal with him when she sneaks into his cell and ends up, you know, and he, that doesn't work out at all. But yeah. then, and then, you know, on the other hand, too, you've got Durka and, you know, you've got, got like Aaron on that side. Durka is this legendary historical figure to her that she learned about growing up. And so she, you know, she, you know, she, she's just, you know, really astounded to meet this figure and it's kind of somewhat worshipful early on in the episode which of course changes and um, Rigel has a very different view of Durka and that of course that creates some tension between Aaron and Rigel I mean there's just so much in this episode of the way all the pieces fit together that makes yeah. it makes it really interesting no I I agree I I I quite liked the uh the stuff with with Aaron and Durka I thought that was uh it was cool to see that the trajectory that that took over the course of the of the show and um, yeah and i and i and i i and i like how it kind of pivots around her discovering that he ran away you know what i mean i thought that yeah. <laughs> like she was totally okay with all the other stuff he was doing all of his legendary achievements but once he was a coward that's when her opinion of him drastically changed uh, yeah like, um, you know, yeah. the torture um, the crushing of rebellions you know that's all fine but it was the you know it was the um it was the cowardice that that really, uh, and also I have to admit, I kind of agreed with her. Like I, I sort of understood where she was coming from on that on that front. Like, like there there was something particularly sniveling about this guy, who's pretending to be this legendary figure, and mm-hmm. and really he's just look, you know, he's he's obviously just been looking out for himself the whole time. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's it's no, it's 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 a good uh, good setup there. And I li- I like the fact Darren still has this lingering loyalty to the peacekeepers and admiration to an extent that it's like you know the fact that the fact she's joined up with them, she hasn't completely gone. Oh, I'm not a peacekeeper anymore. Blah blah. It's just it's still sitting there in her head to an extent. Well, and I mean, obviously, this is the stuff she was raised on, right? So, like, that's yeah. like the it's it, it it makes total sense. Um, exactly, it would be weird, if, you know, for her to just suddenly drop it all. So, it, yeah, it makes total sense to me. And I and I and the seat the the episode had me on the edge of my seat. It was it was very good at making me afraid of Durka and making me worry for the lives of Rigel and and Aronson. And it also did a good job of having that that. That that interesting exchange of dialogue between Durka and Rigel, 
yeah and, you know <laughs> so you know and, and sort of you know Rigel, you know, Rigel defeats him by basically saying, you know, like, you know, you, you, you never succeeded in breaking me. You know, you just made me stronger. Do you know, what I mean? that was kind of an interesting way to sort of turn the situation on his head as he's about to get tortured again. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, I, yeah, I like uh, I like uh, you know Aaron's conversation with Rigel at the end too, where he's like, "Oh, you don't need to thank." He's like, "I wasn't going to thank you. You didn't even know I was in the room. You were just, <laughs> but just just like she kind of admires what he did. It's not she doesn't think he did it for her, but it's just still like, yeah, that was that was pretty great." <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So I, I I thought this was a really strong episode, and I, I think um, I mean yeah. I mean again. I, I I'm a little surprised to learn that the previous episode was so hated, but I can I can see why it was. Like I sort of see the I can see the things that people would would dislike about it. But, well, we talked about this with IET. The the most hated episodes of Farscape mm-hmm. are still they're okay. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's like it's a good show. It's like the absolute most terrible episodes of it. I we, you know I, I think Jeremiah Crichton is probably my least favorite of the. There, there are four episodes in the show that the, some people will hold up as their most hated episode, and uh, it's my least favorite of the four, to be honest. And okay. even that, it's like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't torture for me to watch it for this podcast. No, it felt to be like a, you know, a fun episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like that was the sort of episode <laughs> yeah. that it was. Um, and yeah. I think what I like, what I just liked, was just sort of like realize, like knowing that I was watching a filler episode. And not minding that the story wasn't moving forward. That's sort of what I. Uh, that was my thought while I was watching it. Um, you know, yeah. I just, I just got a sense that well, you know, it just kind of makes the Farscape experience bigger, which isn't necessarily bad. Um, but it's an episode you could you could easily skip over that episode, I think, and not miss anything unless there's like a detail in it that becomes relevant, you know, five episodes from now or something, but. Um, yeah, I think I think that is actually a skippable episode. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine what they would glean from it. You know, like I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose you can they can take anything and 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 re and and have become important again. But but that I guess I guess I guess you know from character perspective, you did say both these episodes fleshed out Rigel for you. So maybe the Rigel stuff does give you more sense of his personality, but. But I, I don't think it's absolutely essential, though. But also, I feel like that episode, it did suffer from the thing that filler episodes generally suffer from, which is that with Crichton, I feel like all the stuff that happened to him there kind of evaporated. It was all kind of a, an anomalous uh-huh. blip on the radar where suddenly yeah. he was all kind of wise and had a beard. And Jimmy, his personality was totally different that episode. And I feel like there probably isn't that probably isn't going to linger over the course of the show. It happened, but it's like... Um, it's like in all these shows we used to watch as kids, like something momentous happens in the show and then the next week it's forgotten. Do you know what I mean? It just doesn't, it's, it's not, yeah, you know, which is, which is unusual for this show because this show, while it's not a plot arc show, it's a show where a lot of things do have consequences and personalities do evolve and stuff. But yeah, you're totally right. The, that episode really, yeah, Crichton. I mean, one thing, Crichton is even at the center of the episode by the end. It kind of flips into being a Rigel episode anyway by the end. So, yeah, it it just doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah, but it just the whole way he carried himself felt kind of off that up. Like it just didn't seem as Crichton-y to me. 
Um, and, and, and it yeah. didn't feel like that carried through to the next episode. So, um, but again, I don't really mind that, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I, I, you know, I remember filler episodes. I don't mind them being that way, but, uh, cause I feel like, you know, it can be just as bad going completely the other direction where you have to, you have to remember everything that ever everything. happens in the show, you know? So yeah, having an, an episode where I don't have to remember all the details I'm, I'm fine with. Um, yeah yeah but yeah it did it did have a kind of it, it had a vibe that is very different from the rest of the series i can see why it would stick out to people as different Do you know yeah I mean? there's almost like a 70s tv vibe yeah. to it i can't think of a specific example but it felt like something i would have been watching as a kid back in the 70s no no it something. had like a i don't know like a gidget thing like something was going on there where I know that they were in this village and there was this serious stuff going on, but I still felt like the Brady's on vacation in Hawaii or, or some <laughs> kind of surfing thing. You know, I mean, there was something there that just didn't. It it, it just it, maybe because Crichton was so relaxed about the whole situation. I don't know. It it just didn't yeah. feel. Uh, and I was I was curious where they shot that. Actually, I, I don't I don't know if you would have any information on that, but. Oh, it's in Australia. It's I mean somewhere. I don't well, specifically the, know where, re- but it looked it looked Australian to me. Well, that changed. So anytime there's a it's shot in a place where the rivers might have crocodiles, that completely changes my reaction to the location. I, Do you know? I no 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 because I they, they shoot this mainly in New South Wales, which has no crocodiles. So I'm sorry to disappoint you. Oh, okay. so wait, there so, there. It's, it's Australia is a continent. So no, I know, I know. <laughs> Australia's big, but so can, just for for the for the uh, the pleasure okay, of I'll, the listeners, I'll, I'll tell, we'll pretend there's crocodiles in there. Well, well no, no, no. So. I want to know, like, so so New South Wales. What's the climate there, and what what sort of uh, animals are actually in that part of Australia? Well, there's there's kangaroos, and you know, there's koalas, and the. Uh, Lots, lots and lots of birds. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not tropical. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's warm, but by, by, by your Boston standards, it's a very warm place. Okay. But, uh, I mean, a, a, a cold winter's day, there's around 50 degrees. Okay. But, but when you say no crocodiles, do you mean they're just not there in great numbers or no, they're, they're, no, never, they're not, they're, they're not, not. they're up okay. North, but, you know, cause it's the Southern hemisphere. So it goes the other way. It's too far South for there to be crocodiles. Okay. It's, it gets cold enough at the winter that they're not going to want to live there. They all live up in the tropical rainforest up north in Queensland, mainly. So if I ever have to relocate to Australia, that is the location I'm going to be going to, I think, because the furthest I can get away from the crocodiles is like I like when I go to Florida, I'm I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck about water because I'm not used to things with powerful jaws residing inside <laughs> the waterways do you know what I mean it make... oh, you got those lobsters i don't know man. <laughs> lobsters those, uh... are fine also it's easy to avoid the ocean it's not easy to avoid walking by rivers do you know what i mean like uh, you know yeah. i'm not yeah. worried about like i don't i don't go into the ocean because i don't want to get eaten by a shark i i, I when i was a kid I was I they they made me take sailing lessons and when we got to the phase of the sailing lessons where they force you to capsize I was like nope I'm out I'm not, not doing, doing it, it. and not I didn't do it, it. um no nah, there's uh there there are, there are lots of great white sharks so you you may want to stay out of the ocean in that part oh no that's never but, uh, that's never a problem them. but uh <laughs> as a rule I don't yeah. go I do not go into but the no, ocean but no as far anymore. as the uh as far as the animal life goes on the whole it's uh 
it's, there's poisonous spiders and stuff. You can be afraid of them. Okay, that's, uh, that, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd be worried about that, but I don't. Honestly, honestly the thing. poisonous spiders mean you just go to the emergency room. Nobody nobody dies of getting bitten by, by spiders and snakes and stuff there. It's just, oh, man. Spider bit me. I better go get some antitoxin. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't look forward to that at all. And I'd probably be the no. guy that died from the bite. But the thing is, I don't. That's a much more dignified death than dying in the jaws of a crocodile. Dying in the, <laughs> dying in the jaws of a crocodile is like your your prey. Do you know what I mean? Like you're reduced to to just like you know an antelope or you know it, it's it's just not how a human should go, in my opinion. You know, I, I don't no. like it when humans are consumed by other animals. I think that's the worst way to die. Um, and so, yeah. uh, you know, again, I just, you know, nothing against Australia. I just, I just want to avoid the crocodiles if I go there. Um, yeah, well, New South Wales should be should be fine for you. Um, so, so yeah. So, but I don't know. Getting back to the point, which is, you know, the, yeah. the, <laughs> I. I, I did enjoy that episode, but when when they what the reason I was asking about the location really was because at first I was like this kind of looks like a camping trip to Maine. Do you know what I mean? It just had that <laughs> sort of look. Um, also, that crab creature that he was spearing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was I was I was very curious about like what he had been living on that whole time, and you know, like <laughs> you know, because I don't know. It, it, I did have a lot of questions about that episode. Um, also, I think the other thing that was maybe getting a little bit annoying about the episode is we we now have had a lot of episodes where Crichton is sort of surrounded by beautiful women that want him in a variety. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't need another episode. And, and to an extent, <laughs> it didn't go there because he didn't... He It's not like he had a romance with her, right? So it wasn't yeah. like... He wasn't getting all Kirk. And like you know, no, he just didn't didn't want anything to do with it, really. But uh, but it was sort of a distraction from the Sun stuff that was already going on. So I was kind of like, oh man, yeah. do we need like another romance? Like you know, let's, <laughs> let's focus on the Sun storyline. Um, but yeah, so but but on the whole, I thought these were fine episodes. I, I the the second one is clearly much stronger. It's like a uh, it was a stellar episode. First one's filler, and I enjoyed myself. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I really get back to the second. One, I really, I loved, I love the way it highlights the ambiguity at the end with him just asking her, you know, where were you when Silas was killed? And she doesn't have an answer. Well, she has like a crazed look on her face, but then she gets like a really strong emotion over her face. Yeah, and that's what makes me wonder, like, what exactly was her feeling towards this guy? Because even if she did kill him, which she might have, I feel like there was some kind of warmth that she must have felt towards him or something. I because don't know. But well, that that emotion on her face was too strong to. I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I, I read it differently actually. Okay. I, I, I mean, I there's there's kind of like this feeling of sorrow over over her, but I because I, I don't know my interpretation was you know she's kind of kind of giving this this crazy look like ooh you don't know if I killed him and then when he kind of leaves the room it's like there's. I feel like it does bother her that people think, you know, that, that or, or I don't know. I mean, okay, maybe, that's maybe, a, no, that's an interesting. She's upset you know, that he would see her that way, is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I think that could be, but it's ambiguous because it's it's a mystery. I mean, we don't we don't know if he killed her. Right. How does she kill him? Which changes. I mean, there's things you can think about. It's like 
because looking at the episode, having seen it repeatedly, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious because you know Salas sees her cloak lying in the hallway and her collar, and that's what lures him around the corner to be killed. And then when they find his corpse, like that collar is next to him and stuff. But was Chiana carrying that stuff with her? Was, I thought she like, took it off when she escaped. Didn't we see her take it off? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, maybe she was carrying it with her and used it as bait, but why would she leave the collar there? And it's like, there's there's a lot of me that think, but then again, on the other hand, it's, you know, so that makes me think it's Durka. But then I think about Durka and I'm like, well, why would Durka not just admit it? Yeah, I killed Salas. I, you know, it's like, he's not the kind of guy who had anything to hide. Well, so. he didn't deny it though. That's the thing. Like, I felt like maybe yeah. he was admitting it when he didn't, you know, maybe he just didn't want to give them the information because it was still valuable for him to let them think that maybe Chiana had done it. You know, that's a, that's a good answer. I like that. Yeah. He's, he's just strategically Cause they, keeping, keeping suspicious in between them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were very good at establishing this guy is smart. Do you know what I mean? This guy is very strategic and this guy, yeah. you know, can, you know, I was, I was very much afraid of him as a villain. I thought, I thought I believed in his ability to mess with the ship and to kill anybody that he wanted to kill. And so, yeah. you know, that, uh, <laughs> he may be a coward, but he's a murderous coward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a murderous coward and he's clearly some kind of genius. Uh, yeah. So, so, so that'll work. And also Chiana was an interesting kind of genius cause she's sort of an expert at hiding and staying out of sight. And I thought that was yeah. a really cool. It was cool how that came back into being important by the end of the episode. And I thought it was a nice moment for Crichton when he, uh, helps deal with Durka, though they very deliberately leave Durka, Durka's end unclear, right? We don't know exactly what happens to Durka. He might get picked up by those people and forced to rehabilitate, or he might just be stranded. But either way, I feel like Durka's not the kind of person that you should just leave as a loose end. Um, Durka's somebody that you kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. They're, they're just hoping, hoping that Abari will take care of him for them, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? And, uh, but yeah, you know, they go, going with Chiana, you know, like I said, her sneaking and stuff. You talked early on in the show about the whole D&D classes element of the show. It's like, you know, it's like you've already got Rigel is kind of a thief, and it's like she's like a second thief, which is kind of funny. While you have the the scene where they almost she's trying to work with him, and it's like he's got his own thing going. He's not going to work with her, but they're uh, they're they're they've got some some overlap in their niche there in the in the party. But uh, <laughs> so um, so yeah, no, I, uh, I I'm very much looking forward to to the coming episodes. I I peaked at the next one a little bit that looks kind of interesting because it seems that Crichton may be returning home to earth if I if I'm not mistaken um, that's a that's a, yeah no that's it's a very interesting episode next so one. <laughs> that could go that could go seriously wrong or be a really good episode I have no idea which way it's gonna go um, uh, I'll but let it, you determine that for yourself but yeah yeah human reaction is the next episode then through the looking glass is the episode after that okay yeah yeah 
Yeah, the continuity really picks up through the rest of the season. I will say that much. Okay, I, I do want to say, so I, uh, one of the titles that jumped out at me is Bone to be Wild, which is kind of, <laughs> a pretty terrible episode title. But I'm not going to judge it by the title, I, as you explained. We shouldn't. Uh, yeah, they did not expect anybody to see these episode titles. Bone so. to be Wild. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so so anyways, I guess we'll uh, we'll head out. And uh, I'm probably going to be back on tomorrow with another episode of Metal Shop, where we're still trying to hash out the definition of metal. We left out the most important ingredient in our discussion in the first part of it, which was the heavy, distorted guitars. Um, oh. You know, you kind of sort of an essential ingredient. We, we left it out. So, <laughs> so we're going to be revisiting the topic tomorrow. And on Friday, we're going to do Kung Fu Hustle on Wushu. Yeah. Wushu. And that I, I'm very excited about that. I'm sure everybody else is. That should be a fun one to talk about. And and then we got uh, you know more more goodies on the way, including uh, Joel and I are going to have a discussion about Journey of the Doomed, which in my opinion is one of the worst Shaw Brothers films I've ever seen. And so uh, we ran into a situation where we I forget what it was. We, 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 we never, we found movies that we both liked. We found movies that we disagreed on, but we never found a movie that we both hated. And so I was, the aim was to try to find a film that Joel would hate and I would hate. And so I picked Journey of the Doom. Um, so, you know, so we'll have that probably in the next couple of weeks as well. And, oh, I want to mention this just to listeners in general, because I noticed it today. Bride with White Hair is available on Amazon Prime to watch on streaming. Uh, it's not normally available there, so I would recommend people go check that out. They have both Bride with White Hair 1 and Bride with White Hair 2 there, uh, which I'm sure Adam can confirm is a really good Usha film. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's worth checking out. It's available on Prime. And Adam and I will be back on with more episodes of Farscape, and until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.